When a hangman's tail is brought to dusk, divine intervention runs amok. No more nightmares, no more dreams. Everything fades to darkness under his gleam. Released, they screamed, but under what contract? One of blood, pretense, perhaps one of mere fact. The devil made me do it, they said. A new regime? One built upon a road, nightmare, and dream? So allow me to embrace a future. No myths, no facts, just a vision. One of a house made of black. Ladies, gentlemen, and lady gentlemen, my fictional friends, usually I go into a lot more energy here, but this is a part two of a very special episode of the Wrestling With Fiction podcast. The podcast where I pitch to you wrestling storylines from the good to the bad to the damn right insane my name is connor and in case this is your first time coming here this is part two of booking malachi black and the house of black i will be going through some of the stuff that we covered last week a pretty much summary of the booking that we've covered in part one and just a little bit of extra bits here and there. Maybe some extra bits I didn't really clarify in the first part of the booking. That's kind of the basis of what we're doing. We don't need to cover a tagline. We don't need to do all this other stuff because we've already done it. Yay, woo, less editing. (laughs) And with that, I hope you guys enjoyed the first part of this. I, I did, I think I chose some unique picks that weren't the usual people you think would fit in the group. And from where we left off, we kind of left it on a dark note. Ironic, because the group is called the House of Black, but we move on. (laughs) And with that, quick little disclaimers here. Uh, If you kind of just want to skip straight to the booking, timestamps will be in the description of the podcast and the YouTube video when it eventually comes out. By the way, we're also on YouTube now, so if you want to do this with timestamps automatically in, go visit Wrestling With Fiction on your favorite YouTube page. Maybe consider subscribing. Maybe even subscribing to the podcast right now here on your podcast feed. It helps out a bunch. So with that out of the way, with all the random jibber-jabber going, let's quickly recap what the heck happened last week in about four minutes. So uh, let's see if we can condense this. So to recap the story so far, our story initially began with one more interaction between Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes that led Brandy Rhodes, Cody Rhodes' wife, heading straight to the hospital, leading Cody to take more time outside of the ring to take care of his newborn child and further separating himself from the Nightmare family. Over the coming weeks, Malachi Black will once again begin to tease Cody, saying that it doesn't have to be this way and that the house always wins. This would eventually culminate in Cody Rhodes eventually snapping in front of the crowd, losing his mind and breaking down over the stress of being a Rhodes family member. Blaming himself, blaming everything that's happened and saying that he still wants to please the fans, but perhaps it isn't quite going his way. This, of course, leading to Malachi entering the ring and embracing Cody in a hug that he initially denies. 
they end up getting teleported over due to, yet I don't know, Malachi's teleporting magic, where the pair finds themselves in a big, gigantic, gothic church, where Cody is having second thoughts about semi-aligning himself with Malachi through all of this stress. With this, Malachi further convinces him that if he sticks around, the truth will be revealed and he will be freed of the Rhodes family name. This, of course, leads to Cody Rhodes having a dramatic transformation, dyeing his hair black and receiving similar markings as to Malachi. The House of Black has begun to form. Over the coming weeks, neither of the pair are seen on AEW television up until AEW Revolution, where Malachi appears on the screen alongside Cody, confronting Hangman Page and warning him that in four months, the House of Black's Divine Destroyer shall make his presence known in AEW, and that nobody holding a title currently is safe. From this point forward, Malachi Black and Cody Rhodes make their presence known across the AEW roster, attempting to create more and more members of the House of Black to eventually bring upon the Divine Destroyer. They appear on several episodes of AEW Dark, Dynamite and Rampage where they attempt to recruit several members of the AEW roster to the House of Black, some more apparent than others as the weeks go on, with them first recruiting Serpentico, then Nick Camaroto, and then eventually Jamie Hayter. This would lead to several weeks in the build-up to AEW All Out, where members of the House of Black would eventually start claiming championships, starting out with Cody Rhodes claiming the AEW's TNT Championship from Sammy Guevara, Jamie Hayter capturing the AEW Women's World Championship from Britt Baker at All Out, and so Pentico and Nick Camarota forming an unlikely tag team that eventually wins the AEW Tag Team titles from the Lucha Bros. At the same time during this period, Cody Rhodes attempts to strong-arm AEW management into giving not Malachi the AEW Championship match, but the Divine Destroyer, who was revealed one month before Hangman Page's world title match. Whilst everyone is speculating that it could potentially be Malachi himself as an end point, it is eventually revealed that the Divine Destroyer is not Malachi Black. It's Tommy End, the man supposedly possessed during the Devil Made Me Do It story and short film made by Malachi Black during his release from WWE. This ends up culminating in Malachi Black aka Tommy End winning the AEW World Championship and establishing a new reign over the House of Black, with everyone currently holding championships. With that, we begin a new era of AEW, one faded to black, and formed under a simple House of Black. So that's basically the story we've got so far in a condensed few things. If you want to get full context, that's, that's basically it in a brief summary. Yeah, so... A quick little clarification, because I don't think I made it clear in the podcast episode last week. Think of Malachi Black as kind of like a inverse of Finn Balor and Demon Finn. Malachi is vicious, but he's beatable. Tommy End is basically the man who believes that he's been wronged under divine judgment and is now proclaiming himself as a god. He's even more vicious than Malachi in every way. Additional things. Uh, everybody under the House of Black reign, including like Jamie Hayter, who's had the gradual darkening of her hair, which was kind of... Oh my god. Featured in last week's booking. Jesus, my, my voice. I 
it's basically inferred that I didn't really think I fully clarified with each of these members. They all have similar markings to Malachi Black, almost like they've all been blessed by the powers of Tommy End, including Cody, including Serpentico, including Nick Camaroto. Think of it like the paint that we see on Malachi, but on different parts of the body, almost like... I know I specified it with Cody, kind of like a curse mark if you're a fan of Naruto, that's kind of what I'm looking for. So, with that out the way, that is your brief recap and things that have happened. Let's dive into part two of the House of Black. So our story continues from where we had left off. The House of Black has successfully won all the titles, barring a certain one that we'll get to later. And they now essentially run the whole shop, not like they didn't already before with Cody having these executive powers. Now, it's more apparent than ever. We get several bits on social media that are put right at the beginning of the show, showing people in AEW staff, personnel being taken out by these supposed unknown followers of the House of Black. We get a brand new intro to Dynamite, essentially mostly supercutting every member of the House of Black, featuring ev all of them so prominently until we get a look at a brand new redesigned AEW arena. One completely barren of all the once bright and colorful colors and diversity that AEW once stood for is now all these stained glass graphics around, all in this monochrome colour. The ring aprons are completely devoid of everything that once made them special. The aprons are completely stripped away, certain like graphics are dimmed down, and all of these like ring aprons, the canvas itself, are given House of Black propaganda. Phrases and posters stating, the prophecy has been fulfilled, pain has an end, and that the end is a beginning. The show begins with each main key member of the House of Black making their entrances, proudly holding each of their respected titles. Jamie Hayter, Sir Pentico and Nick Camaroto, Cody, and now of course comes the final man. It's not Tommy End but instead it's Malachi Black. We get a very special detail here, kind of Malachi Black, whilst he is technically the champion, him and Tommy End have two separate records. So technically Malachi Black isn't the AEW champion, it's Tommy End. They count as two different entities within the faction. So Malachi Black comes out holding a transparent briefcase with the AEW World Championship. He doesn't classify himself as the AEW champion, just simply a messenger. A man who carries the goal to remind people that the prize is here, and that if they want to take it, none of them are ready to face divine judgement quite yet. Malachi Black is almost kind of a testing ground for people if they dare to step up to the divine judgement of their divine destroyer, Tommy End. Malachi Black proclaims that the House of Black is now all-powerful. However, he states that there is still work needed. There are still too many non-believers in the locker room who believe that their reigns are only temporary. Well, Malachi proclaims that under the tutelage 
and demands of their divine destroyer every single match from this point forward as long as our divine destroyer remains AEW champion as thanks to the strong arming of their face of the network Cody every single match will be under house of black rules you can either win by pinfall submission or by knockout that's right they encourage knockouts now so with this there is now a new sense of threat with it every single member of the house of black has a potential way to force people to give up or to simply be knocked out malachi you've got the spinning heel kick you've got cody's very simple like crossroads finish that he's been repeating on end again and again. Jamie Hayter being one of the strongest women in the women's division, hitting a lariat that could potentially knock out people. Nick Camaroto, a man of power and deceptive speed. And Serpentico, a man for years tortured under Luffy with a new, wild and violent streak, willing to put anybody in a chokehold and pass them out at a moment's notice. The House of Black is as strong as it's ever been, and now it has rules that cater to their favour. Malachi further states that he's received another message from their Divine Destroyer, stating that he will take on anybody and anybody who dares step and challenge his Divine Judgement. The lights that have been scaled back from the House of Black's new regime begin to fade in to the front of the ramp where, with no music, out comes God's forsaken champion, Miro. A man built upon by his forsaken God. Miro says that there's only one true God in professional wrestling, and it's not this so-called divine destroyer. God may have gave him a neck made of sand, but he has given him divine instructions. Destroy the House of Black. If you wish to be forgiven, destroy 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 and with it miro without really thinking merely trusting god's divine intervention charges to the ring where he catches sir pensico who dives on him from the outside and throws him out the way he quickly has a stare down with malachi black demanding his shot at the aew world championship where he is quickly attacked by nick Kamaroto. The House of Black quickly begin to assault Mira before he is saved by the unlikely allies of the Inner Circles, Chris Jericho, Sammy Guevara, Santana and Ortiz, and Jake Hager. Miro shrugs them off, believing that they're not true followers of his god, and he walks away. And with this, we have our very first build for the AEW World Championship. It's Miro attempting to take the title from the so-called Divine Destroyer and God, Tommy End. This will eventually lead to the next big pay-per-view. More on this later as we establish what the rest of the group is doing. So, some of you astute listeners may have noticed that during last week's booking, I never mentioned the TBS Championship. One, because at the time of the booking from where it began to where it ended, the TBS title had not been confirmed of when the tournament was going to end and all that specific stuff. So under this current pretense, we now have something to go after which is now Jamie Hayter on pursuit for the AEW TBS Championship, one of which she is attempting to chase after the inaugural champion, Ruby Soho. Yes, Ruby Soho. I'm booking that instead of Jade Cargill. Don't get mad at me. So with this, they 
she is continually hell-bent on this to further strengthen and solidify the House of Black's dominance over AEW. She continues to rack up wins in quick succession, knocking out several opponents with the new House of Black rule, with the likes of Riho, Hikaru Shida, and various others to put over her getting another title shot at Ruby Soho. This would eventually lead to a point where Jamie Hayter would be distracted and assaulted by the newly returned Britt Baker after the assault by Jamie Hayter when she eventually lost the belt. This leading to the next big pay-per-view down the line. During this time, we also have Sir Pentico and Nick Camarato dominating the tag team division as nobody, because of how new this team is, finding a strategy to defeat the pair. Other than Stu Grayson and Evil Uno, of the Dark Order, people who have fought both of these competitors on several occasions on multiple episodes of AEW Dark and Elevation, which is why they eventually get a AEW Tag Team title shot at the next big pay-per-view, which of course, for you astute listeners, would be full gear. With that, we come to Cody, who throughout this is still experiencing some of the similar stuff that we had at the beginning with Brandy Rhodes trying to knock out Cody from this supposed brainwash. She was the reason that she got out of the Nightmare Collective, and she has always tried to stay by his side. She feels partially responsible what for has happened to Cody, what has led him down this dark path, and she is doing everything in her power to get her husband back. This resulting in several weekly TNT title matches against the likes of Lee Johnson, Fuego del Sol, and the match that we eventually lead to, thanks to the interference that we've mentioned already, Chris Jericho as a rematch from their match at Full Gear two years ago. Jericho says that in the build-up to Full Gear that he was eventually right about everything he said about Cody. He was spoiled, and that he's currently having a tantrum. And it's time for someone to knock some sense into this punk who thinks that he can do whatever he wants. He let the pressure of life get to him, and make himself into a cultish piece of S-word. And with that, we have basically our build to full gear, with some additional stuff with Miro that I'll go into now. So during this period, we have Miro taking on members of the House of Black, particularly your tag teams of Pensico and Nick Kamaroto in singles competition to kind of, you know, put them over in a singles capacity because before they weren't really big established stars in the promotion. Miro versus Nick Camarato is just a big horse fight fighting back and forth. And so Pentago is just one to show how vicious Miro can be under the knockout stipulation. Keep in mind, all of his like finishes with like game over and the big super kick feel like big knockout moves that the champion Tommy End should be fearful of. We get glimpses of Tommy End in the ramp, in the rafters, and all these various other places as Miro begins to once again deny his acceptance of this god. There's only one true god in professional wrestling, and only Miro can see him, and only he can be forgiven by him. This, of course, leads to one big breakout brawl right before the pay-per-view. Miro taking on Tommy End, who reveals himself as they brawl all across the entire building before full gear, which is now a no-holds-barred match. So with this, the card pretty much goes like this. Cody takes on Chris Jericho in a very hard-hitting competitive match in which Cody 
eventually wins using the black mist that Malachi had bestowed upon him and that we can infer from all the cursed markings and that's kind of one of the key things with him. This leads to a significant angle between the pair where Cody grabs a steel chair, wraps it over Chris Jericho's head and attempts to go for a crossroads. Sammy Guevara rushes down to the ring to try and save his friend but he's unable to due to the interference of Sir Pensico and Nick Camarota who hold him back as he watches as Cody delivers multiple crossroads with a chair over Chris Jericho's neck. We get a quick visual of Chris Jericho being sent over via hospital and Sammy Guevara essentially breaks down. With that, we also have Sir Pensco and Nick Camarota successfully defend their tag team titles against the Dark Order, overcoming the intense amount of experience they had throughout their experience. Jamie Hayter successfully retains the Women's World Championship against Britt Baker, and Tommy End knocks out Miro after hitting multiple black masses to Miro's broken neck, which, which under the very first kick, Miro, thanks to his god's divine intervention, has the quick little, like, Hulk up spot, you know, where he's, like, knocked down and quickly goes back up to his feet before he quickly passes out. He doesn't pin Miro, he doesn't submit him, it's just that Miro's neck failed him once again in this time of need. And so with that, that is the end of Act 1 of this reign. Let's move on to Part 2. Post Full Gear, we open on Tommy End sitting atop a throne in the gothic church that we've seen the House of Black cater to in many different segments. He says that at Full Gear, everybody failed to understand the teachings of the House of Black. He talks about how Miro was no true believer of God, that he used it as a crutch for his own shortcomings. He lusted for forgiveness. He desired championships to appease his own insecurities. He refused to let go of his pride. He further states this with Chris Jericho, a man whose whole career has been built upon gimmick change and gimmick change because he could never be the true likable character that he so wanted to be. He lusted to be liked and look where it left him. It left him laying down in a hospital bed. He talks about Britt Baker, how she desired to be acknowledged for more than just a dentist. And it left her with her teeth broken by Jamie Hayter and her lariat. She talks about how the Dark Order once again had greed for success. They wanted more after the victory of Hangman Page. He says that life doesn't work that way. Divine judgment doesn't bless those who have already been gifted. They bless those. They bless those who are in need. He talks about the goals of the House of Black going forward to once again remove the unsullied masses who have dared to question their teachings, dared to question the morals and values that they push upon AEW, and once again establish that those who defy them will fade to black. The segment ends with a surprising knocking on the church door. We see members of the House of Black, Cody particularly, open the door to reveal the person waiting outside the church to be none other than Pac, a man dubbed a bastard throughout his entire AEW career post lands of potentially greener pastures. And with it, 
we get several segments moving forward of the House of Black attempting to convert the once known bastard into a follower of the House of Black. And during this supposed attempt to convert him on a very special episode of Dynamite, where all members are standing by, Hater, Cody, Serpentico, and Kamaroto all sitting around each corner of the apron, waiting to see if Pac will join them in the House of Black. We get a very quick live satellite interruption showing that members of the Inner Circle, Santana Ortiz, Jake Hager, and that's it. No Sammy Guevara, which is later reported to be that he's taking time off one to heal his own injuries and also to check on Chris Jericho, which we'll see several segments of. And with it, we also see in this, as we pan over to it, members of Death Triangle, Phoenix and Penta El Zero Miedo, also there trashing the House of Black, in which Pac gives a massive smirk as the Lucha Brothers come out from out of nowhere to attack the tag team champions and leave them laying as Pac and Malachi have a stare down where Pac locks in the Brutalizer onto Malachi. Black Cody tries to get him off, but he just can't let it go. Jamie Hater tries to also power him out, but it just won't stop leading just enough time for Ruby Soho and the future TNT title challenger, none other than CM Punk to make their entrance and help out in this assault. So with this, we now have a slow yet gradual build to the next big show that, of course, if you've guessed by now, is Revolution. Over the weeks, Jamie Hayter attempts to go for the TBS title before the big show, but is unsuccessful, having a very first loss since holding the championship to Ruby Soho, leading into a big champion versus champion match at the pay-per-view. We have, of course, Nick Camaroto and Serpentico taking on Santana and Ortiz and the Lucha Bros in a triple threat match. We also have, on this card, CM Punk versus Cody, an interesting dynamic. And we also have Pac versus Tommy End in what can only be classified as the bastard attempting to defy God. <laughs> Which I think is another nice little character bit where we have promos from Pac saying that his entire life he's been deemed a bastard, being either too big or too small, too quick for his size, too everything. He's always been an outcast by whatever standard he's been deemed, and no religious society is ever going to change that. I never liked this company where I came in, I never liked where it was going, and I don't even like it now. So, if someone is going to change it, it shouldn't be some ramshackle church, it's gonna be me. That's basically the summary of Pac's promo. Vice versa, we have Tommy N saying that once a bastard, always a bastard. If you dare face to face with Malachi, you dare attack my messenger, you will face divine judgment greater than a follower of God. You'll face a divine judgment greater than a man going across the river Styx. Pack, you're not going to be coming out of this alive. I will be sending you straight to hell. That is the basic build of Pack versus Malachi Black, in which we also get a very rare singles match between Pac and Malachi, where keep in mind, as I mentioned before, 
they have two separate records, Tommy End and Malachi, in which Malachi passes out to the Brutalizer from Pack, leading to this eventual match, because uh, that's the beauty of having a dual set thing. You can kind of get away with a couple losses here and there. So with this, you have the story of Pack defying the messenger of God, heading into his big AEW world title match against a divine destroyer. On the other side, we have Brandy Rhodes begging somebody to try and help her reclaim the like love of her husband with it. She tries to go to everybody, including MJF, who says that, look, there's no way I dare to go beneath the world title, okay? I would love to be a face of the network, but I've got bigger issues to deal with. I have some issues that people refuse to acknowledge me for. And with that, out walks in CM Punk. Following up on this week's episode of AEW Dynamite, where he refused to acknowledge MJF, he takes up the challenge to face Cody Rhodes. He says that when he was champion, he dared people to box with God, and that he never thought that nearly over a decade later, it would turn out to be him who would dare to defy God's wishes. And with it, he promises that he will bring back Cody by any means necessary. He may fear tactics, he may run out and figure out what the hell he's doing, but he has never been as good as he thought he was. That's the basic thing for him against Cody. He believes that Cody has never been as good as he's believed to be. Even as a follower, even as a champion, he is all bark and no bite. And that is the build to that big show. Also on the card, we have what is dubbed by the House of Black as their Sinner's Sanctum Sacrifice match, or even just the Sinner's Sacrifice match. Think of it like AEW's equivalent of an Elimination Chamber, of all the rules of the House of Black situation, where the winner receives a shot at the AEW title at the next big pay-per-view after this, which is double or nothing. The competitors are Sammy Guevara, John Moxley, Miro, Brian Danielson, later revealed to be Cody by the end of the night, and Andrade El Idolo. Now, on this card, we have a couple things that happen here. Serpentico and Nick Camarato, after having a surprisingly dominant run as tag team champions, drop the belts to Santana and Ortiz, people who I believe would actually be a very nice fit in this situation, having gone through so much just to get a shot at the titles. With this, we have Jamie Hayter successfully defending the AEW Women's World title against Ruby Soho. But with it, out comes a person who rightfully deserves a shot, Thunderosa, setting up a big championship match for the next big pay-per-view. Also on the card, we have Sammy Guevara overcoming all of the odds, winning these Sinner's Sacrifice match against Brian Danielson, John Moxley, Miro, Cody, and Andrade El Idolo by hook or by crook after spending months and months of absence. He gets the blessing of Chris Jericho to use moves like the Code Breaker and the Walls of Jericho, as Jericho looks like this might be the final leg of his career. He passes down several things to Sammy Guevara when Sammy Guevara has several seconds with him in the hospital. That stuff happens. And then of course we get to stuff that I should have really swapped around the order of this. Uh, Cody... Cody by hook or by crook. You're gonna hate me for this. Beats CM Punk, I know. 
I know. Cody beating CM Punk, maybe not the ideal thing here. But, you know, I feel like this adds credence to the MJF story, where, like, you can give MJF a ton of, like, fuel to the fire to say that you couldn't even beat someone who I beat in the very early years of AEW. You can also have this whole thing where Cody, you know, defies all people's expectations, uses the power of being the face of the network and the EVP to get into this big Elimination Chamber style match. And, you know, kind of abuse the power of the House of Black that they've essentially run roughshod over AEW. And finally, we have Pac versus Tommy and a true battle of the bastard versus a divine destroyer. The match opens almost immediately with Pac just assaulting this divine destroyer, getting out as much offense as he can. He locks him into the brutalizer incredibly early into the match and we see Tommy End almost pass out and quickly reawaken, getting himself out and locking in another submission of his own. We have counters to the Black Arrow. We have counters to the Black Mass. All leading up to an eventual finish where once again Tommy End knocks out Pack and wins the, not really wins, but you know, retains the AEW world title. All now leading to a battle between gods, a Spanish god versus a divine destroyer. And with that, let's get into the third act. Heading into the third act, we return to a scene much more similar to Act 2. Tommy End, in his own way, descends onto the House of Black, the gothic-style church that we've seen countless times in the build-up to now, what is set to be, at double or nothing, Sammy Guevara versus Tommy End for the AEW World title. He immediately looks over to Sir Pentico and Nick Comoroto, now the only members of their house with no titles. He looks over to Jamie Hayter, a person who has been promising to claim the TBS Championship week after week after week, but has been unsuccessful, being forced to constantly defend her AEW Women's Championship to get a shot. And she wanders straight all the way to them, all members of the House of Black present. And immediately, as he stares at Sir Pentico, the man who I did not mention before had taken the fall in the AEW Tag Team title match, he quickly doesn't hit a heel kick onto Sir Pentico. He hits it onto Cody. He quickly shouts at Cody. He snaps towards him saying that the things that he's been doing have been unacceptable. He has more power over this network than anybody else. He has been disobeying divine judgment, not these individuals. They simply follow the teachings of End. They follow them and fade to black, but Cody, he still has a little glimmer of light left in him. He keeps letting things that have should have been left alone. A simple tag team match for Sir Pentico and Nick Comoroto was made into a triple threat. A champion versus champion match only had Jamie Hayter's title on the line. Who could have changed that? Malachi, the messenger of Tommy End? No. Only 
Cody, an EVP, a face of the network. He did nothing. And so he makes one simple Cree to Cody that will be the divine Fred throughout his moments heading up to Double or Nothing. Send your wife to the hospital or fade to light. Simple, direct, responsive. Throughout the weeks, we see Cody, whilst defending the TNT Championship, look conflicted. He constantly grabs the chair and moves it towards Brandy, but he always just, he delays his just a bit, allowing Brandy to escape, just enough to appease his divine destroyer. And through the coming week after week after week, we finally get somebody to defend Brandy Rhodes, perhaps be the only person who can bring back Cody. And it's none other than Eddie Kingston, a man who is the polar opposite of Cody, the man who introduced him to AEW, talked about his life being with drug addicts, alcoholics, something that Cody has never been able to understand. He talks about those again and again, but the one thing that he says that he can understand is family. He knows that family is one of the most important things in life, and that the thing that Cody is in, the thing that he initially started out to protect his family, is tearing it apart. His family never gave up on him, and because of that, Eddie got a contract. And for the sake of his new family, the AEW family, he promises to bring Cody back. That is the feud for him heading into Double or Nothing. Also on the card, we have Sir Pensico and Nick Camaroto all attempting to reclaim the AEW Tag Team titles after the surprise warning of their Divine Destroyer Tommy End against Santana and Ortiz. We also have on the card the AEW Women's World Championship Jamie Hayter defending against Fanda Rosa. And with this, we have one more feud to talk about. Sammy Guevara versus, well... You know him now as Tommy End. Sammy Guevara's first big AEW World title match. We get several segments where Sammy Guevara has talked about his journey since Jericho almost being forced to retire from the ring. How he felt that he could have done more. How every time he's tried to step up, there's always been one little thing to keep him down. His friends call him a Spanish god, but is he really considered that yet until he wins the AEW World Championship. We get several video packages recapping Sammy Guevara's history in AEW from being the very first match in AEW history technically at Double or Nothing's buy-in show, his first match on Dynamite against Cody, his formation with the Inner Circle, how he left and also ended up saving them at the Stadium Stampede, his eventual TNT title victory, all recapped in a nice, simple video package. Where he says that, sure, to Tommy End, people may consider me a Spanish god, but this Sunday, they're going to consider me a world champion. And that is the basic clean build for Sammy Guevara versus Tommy End. Sammy Guevara throughout all of this 
tries to get revenge on Malachi and Tommy and for what they did to Chris Jericho. He grabs a steel chair and tries to hit a crossroads on people who dare to step in his way. These supposed disciples, members of the network that Cody tries to talk to on a regular basis to book matches. He ends up assaulting those places along with the help of members of the inner circle. Everything starts to come together for Sammy Guevara as we head into this unlikely tale that is double or nothing. Jamie Hayter, unfortunately unsuccessful in defending the AEW Women's World Championship as Fonda Rosa finally claims the AEW Women's World title that has been eluding her for several years of her career up to this point. So Pentaco and Nick Camaroto unable to successfully reclaim the AEW tag team titles from Santana and Ortiz, setting up an eventual best friends return and a tag team title match between them. We also have on this card, Eddie Kingston, finally, and I mean finally getting the AEW's TNT Championship from Cody in a match that is set to be just one of those heartwarming moments where a man who's worked so hard has finally won a championship in AEW after being called a bum by everybody including CM Punk himself finally earning more and even more respect from the entire AEW roster and then we come to the main event Tommy End versus Sammy Guevara both of them getting special entrances Sammy Guevara quite literally ascending from the heavens alongside the inner circle, similar to the double or nothing entrance from a year prior, coming down, having the support of Chris Jericho in his corner, who just tells him to do what he can do and be the Spanish god that he always knew he could be. Passing the torch, essentially, between the two, allowing Sammy Guevara to get a shot in the main event scene. We have... Tommy End coming out in his pure white gear and robes accompanied by members of the House of Black including Cody Rhodes right at his side as they get outside the ring. All four members like how Tommy End won the world title before all there at ringside. The match is this fast paced striking affair where Sammy Guevara gets hit by the Black Mass very early on in the match, but quickly falls outside the ring. Jericho does what he can to defend his friends, along with the Inner Circle members who come out to try and fend off members of the House of Black. Leaving just enough time for Sammy to get out of several finishes. In fact, I think in this type of situation, you can have it where... Sammy Guevara is hit with the Black Mass spinning heel kick and he falls straight over to the ropes allowing him just to kick out. He doesn't kick out willingly, you'd protect the move. All leading to the finish of the match. We have Malachi Black looking over to his followers demanding that they pass over the AEW World Championship as Sammy Guevara has put up more of a fight than anyone could have ever expected and out comes Brandy Rhodes as Cody grips the AEW World Championship, a title that he's banned from holding due to stipulations made upon himself. And he looks at the championship and he looks at Black. He looks at his wife Brandy Rhodes who has quickly ran over to her 
And immediately in this moment, we have the crowd just chanting, no, 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 no. As Cody looks over to his wife, Brandy, and he passes it over to Brandy Rhodes to let go of it. Tommy End is incensed. He is wanting to snap at him and reclaim the AEW World Championship, trying to just go over there and grab it, providing just enough of a distraction to allow Sammy Guevara to hit the GTH. And can't believe I'm saying this. He hits the 630 and he successfully claims the AEW World Championship. The Spanish God does good and he ascends himself into being Sammy Guevara, the AEW World Champion. Confetti flies as Cody looks on in the background. He claps for the guy who he fought in the very first episode of AEW Dynamite has done good after over two years of hard work has done it. He has become the first of the four pillars to be the AEW World Heavyweight Champion. The future is now. After so many years of, or at least throughout this six to eight month period of darkness ruling over light, there has been some light at the end of the tunnel. And the light came from none other than an inner circle and a Spanish god. With it, the story ends right there. Semi Guevara wins the AEW world title. The inner circle have a new leader, so to speak, as Jericho is, in a way, past the torch, allowing Guevara to use moves like the Codebreaker and various other things as setup moves, maybe even a Lion Salt variation. I don't know. Ideas. We leave the House of Black with a credible title reign and several runs with a member now leaving. And if you want to rebound off of that again, you can. We have a new TNT champion in Eddie Kingston, a guy who, after so many years of hard work, has finally achieved something massive in AEW. Aside from the stuff he's already done, which has been amazing, by the way. And we have our fabulous little thing with Santana and Ortiz rekindling a rivalry with best friends. And with it, what do you do with the House of Black? Well, anything, really. You can rebound it into another feud with Cody if you wish. You can have Tommy End and Malachi attempt to reclaim the world title after certain situations. You c you've boosted the profile of Serpentico and Nick Camarota to credible threats in your AEW roster. You've made Jamie Hayter more than just a sidekick to Britt Baker, but a credible threat in her own right. Expanding the character diversity in the AEW women's division. And with it, you've got a new faction in what could also be used for a potential AEW trios belt. And that, ladies and gentlemen, is how I would book the House of Black. Oh, <laughs> oh that, that felt long-winded. <laughs> and that has the result of coming to the end of this week's booking. I realize I phrased that really weirdly, so we have come to the end of this week's booking. I know I've just repeated it, but whatever. That's how I would block Malachi Black and the ever-so-aforementioned House of Black. I think it was there. 
I think there were good bits, I think there were bad bits, you know, no booking is perfect, writing is subjective, but what did you guys think? So, if you have any thoughts, was it good, was it bad, please let me know on Twitter at ConnorTheCooper, even tell me on Instagram at WrestlingWithFiction, and maybe even tell me on TikTok, because we are goddamn everywhere! So, with that out the way, Thank you, if you got this far, for listening to part two of this booking. Thank you all so much for putting in your time, because it's it's the holiday season. Everybody's busy. Life is a weird mystery. Thank you all so much for taking time out of your day to listen to a random British guy book a Dutch man and his cult-like church into a... <laughs> into a entire AEW hostile takeover. And with that, I think I'm going to leave it here. If you liked what you saw here, maybe consider leaving a review on Apple Podcasts. I hope all of you have a lovely day. And remember, everyone, wrestling could always use just a little bit more fiction. See you all. Good night, everybody.